If you have a copy of Scripture, we are in Hebrews chapter 11 this morning, verses 27 through 29. I'd invite you to turn there, Hebrews 11, 27 through 29 this morning. Continuing our series through the book of Hebrews. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version this morning, Hebrews 11, 27 through 29. Speaking of Moses, by faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood, so the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land. But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. May God bless the reading of his word this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I pray that it would penetrate our hearts and lives this morning. That as we hear the proclamation of your word, uh, Lord, that uh, it would stir in us. Um, something that whether it needs to be changed or a way of our life that needs to be different. God, I pray that that would happen this morning. May we listen to what you have to say. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. As we look at this passage of scripture, uh, it becomes very evident that it is not only about faith, which all of Hebrews chapter 11 is about, but it's about a faith that overcomes. In verse 27, we read that the faith of Moses endured or persevered. The idea is that it refused to stop as he kept his eyes fixed on God. In verse 28, we see a faith that keeps the Passover so that the destroyer of the firstborn will not touch them. Again, a faith that overcomes. In verse 29, we see a faith that allows them to cross the Red Sea on dry land while the Egyptians drown. Again, a faith that overcomes. And so it seemed practical that out of this passage of Scripture, we would talk about a faith that overcomes. In John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus said, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Here's what we must understand. The ways of the world will constantly try to steal our attention away from God. Satan will always be prowling around like a roaring lion trying to get us to turn our attention from God and to focus on the things of this world. But we by faith can overcome Jesus said that he has overcome the world. We are to take heart when we go through tribulation because of this. Peter Scott was a very gifted singer. He wanted to be an opera star, but there came a time when he was faced with a crucial decision in his life. Would he seek the applause of men in the opera or would he choose to serve God? He chose to serve God. He enrolled in the New York Missionary 
training college upon graduation, he set sail for Africa in 1890. His brother later joined him, but his brother quickly died from the harsh conditions. Peter, with his own hands, built his brother's coffin and dug the grave. Soon after, he also got sick and went to England. While in England, he read the grave of David Livingston in Westminster Abbey. It read, Other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. This prompted him to head to America and recruit others to go with him in the case to reach Africa with the gospel of Jesus Christ. With seven other people, including his sister, Scott returned to Africa in October of 1895. In his first year, focus stations had been opened. Education and medical programs were set up, and the missionaries were making progress in learning the languages of the people. Shortly after such an optimistic report, Scott, at the age of 29, got sick and died in December of 1896. Just 14 months after returning to Africa, soon after his death, several other workers died and others had to give up for health reasons. By the summer of 1899, there was only one missionary remaining on the field in Africa. The area became known as the white man's graveyard. More missionaries died than people became Christians during those first years, but other missionaries came and continued to come. They came packing their belongings in coffins. The Africans were amazed at their determination. They said, surely only a message of great importance would inspire such actions. In 1971, the Africa Inland Mission became the Africa Inland Church. It numbered about one and a half million people under African leadership. This is a faith that overcomes. This is a faith that we see of Moses and the people of Israel when when they came out of Egyptian slavery. So today, I want us to see the faith that overcomes. It can overcome any obstacle and any setback and any hardship. But like Moses, it must endure and see the unseen God. So let's first see that a faith that overcomes by seeing the invisible. A faith that overcomes by seeing the invisible. Look at verse 27. Speaking of Moses, Moses' faith, it says that he endured by seeing him who is invisible. Now that's an odd way to word something, is it not? If something is invisible, how do you see it? And if you do see it, then it's not really invisible. But it says that he endured by seeing him who is invisible. Before we get into all that, let me give you some background. Moses actually left Egypt twice. The first time was after he killed the Egyptian who was beating the Hebrew slave and then again in the Exodus. Now to be clear, we do not know which time this verse is referencing and there are highly respected commentators and theologians on both sides. Some say that this is referring to the first time that Moses fled. And even though he was afraid um, that first time, his fear was not of Pharaoh. Others say, no, this has to be referencing the second time that Moses fled um, because indeed he was fearful of Pharaoh the first time that he fled. I don't know which time it's referencing. I, I cannot say this is referencing this time that Moses fled. It could be either time, and that's not what is really important in this passage of Scripture. Let us remember, these people 
that are receiving this letter, the Hebrew people are facing the threat of persecution. And there's a parallel to Moses here. And what, what we would then realize is that fear must be met with faith. What kept Moses from fearing the king was faith. Scottish reformer John Knox was asked how he could so boldly confront the Roman Catholic queen. He replied with this, one does not fear the queen of Scotland when he has been on his knees before the king of kings. Faith overcomes by seeing the invisible. Remember, faith is being certain, according to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, of what we do not see. So when it says, as seeing him who is invisible, it does not mean that he literally saw him with the naked eye. But what he is saying is that the eye of faith saw what the physical eye could not see. Now, there was a time when God was so pleased with the spiritual vision of Moses that he allowed him to see a part of God's glory as well as spoke to him face to face. But notice that it says, as seeing him who is invisible, it's a constant action as seeing him who is invisible. However, here's what I believe when we say that faith overcomes by seeing the invisible. What I believe is that this is not something extraordinary. In other words, I believe it should be ordinary normal Christianity. In fact, if you do not see by faith him who is invisible, then there may be a problem. Christianity is supernatural. It's supernatural. And it must be lived out supernaturally by constant, continuous faith, which is why we read in Scripture that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. So the Christian life is to be lived out supernaturally. Oh, the wondrous power of faith that rises above what we can see. And even though the impartation of faith lies within our power and neither does it its growth come from our own power, yet we are responsible to avoid those things that would weaken our faith and we are responsible for nourishing our faith. How many Christians make little effort to have faith to overcome by seeing him who is invisible? May we pray the Lord open our eyes that we may see. May we pray God open my eyes that I may see those things around me in faith. God, open my eyes that I may see you. Just like Elisha prayed, Lord, open my eyes. And the Lord opened his eyes and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around him. There are three lessons I want us to quickly draw from verse 27. First this, there are times when faith will bring opposition from powerful forces. There are times when faith will bring opposition from powerful forces. It says that Moses was not afraid of the anger of the king, 
But let's be clear, that would indicate that the king was angry. And this is an indication that he was in opposition to Moses. Our faith will at times bring opposition. I'm not sure why so many Christians have fallen into the notion that when you follow after Christ, suddenly you will have no problems. It is very much possible that many Christians think that way because of the faulty way we often do evangelism. We tell people to follow Jesus and all of their problems will suddenly go away. And so people think, boy, that sounds great. Doesn't that sound good? Follow Jesus and all my problems will go away. I'm going to sign up for that plan because that's a good plan. Nowhere are we promised to have a trouble-free life by coming to Christ. In fact, we are promised tribulation. When Moses left Egypt behind, it meant that he, it meant that he left Egypt behind, literally. Moses did not leave Egypt to step into better circumstances. Instead, he embraced hardship. In fact, he embraced a situation that had absolutely no chance of success. Unless God did it. None. I mean, how is Moses going to lead these people? To stand against Pharaoh was a suicide mission. Unless God was doing the the bidding. Unless God protected Moses. He was going to lead two million people into a desert. That's genocide. Unless God protects them. Pharaoh was powerful. He had armies of trained warriors ready to do as he commands. Moses is leading a bunch of untrained, defenseless slaves. In the eyes of man, it's no contest. Nobody would look at that situation and, and we're taking odds in Vegas and go, I'm betting on the Israelites. They're going to, boy, they got this taken care of. Nobody would do that. In the eyes of man, it is no contest. But in the eyes of God, he had everyone right where he wanted them. Listen, when you place your faith in Jesus Christ, you become a sworn enemy of Satan. If you are here today and you say, I place my faith in Jesus, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, you are a sworn enemy of Satan who will command an army of evil spirits who are intent on your destruction. They have nothing better to do than to absolutely destroy you. This is why the Christian life is portrayed as warfare, Christian. It is a spiritual battle. So don't be surprised when you meet opposition Position. Be ready for it and expect it to come because faith will bring opposition, which would then lead you to ask, well, if there is no opposition to my faith, am I really practicing my faith? Well, that's a tough one, isn't it? So we don't ask that question. We just say, well, I go to church and I do these kinds of things. I follow all the rules. I do all the stuff. But if there is no opposition to my faith, am I really practicing my faith? Because faith, there are times when faith will bring opposition from powerful forces. Secondly, faith conquers fear 
prompting obedience. Faith conquers fear, prompting obedience. It says that Moses was not afraid of the anger of the king. So we know that Moses encounters the wrath of the king. Let me just say that there will be times when you're following after the Lord in faith and someone's going to get angry. There will be times that, that people are not going to like it. For Moses, it was Pharaoh who was angry. In your case, it may be a member of your family that gets angry. It may be an employer that gets angry. It may be a, a professor at a university that gets angry. It may be a friend that gets angry. The more powerful a person, the harder it is to fear God more than that person, especially when you feel that that person has some sort of authority or power over you. Moses stood before the most powerful man in all of Egypt and proclaimed, Thus says the Lord uh, God of Israel, Let my people go. Faith conquers fear. Moses did not fear man. In this case, he did not fear the greatest of men, which was a king, and he did not even fear what most men are very much fearful of, which is the wrath of someone that is in power over them. And in this case, it was the wrath of the king. Moses had faith in God, which expelled fear. When faith is exercised, the greatest of fears are calmed. As followers of Christ... We should expect the wrath of man. Jesus said, they hated me, they will hate you. And to be honest, some of the cruelest, most bitter, and most angry people are those who disguise themselves under the banner of Christianity. But even that person is not to be feared. If God is for us, who can be against us? A.W. Pink says, Faith and fear are opposites and yet strange to say. They often are found dwelling within the same breast. But where one is dominant, the other is dormant. We can pick up Fox's Book of Martyrs and read all about those who had faith that allowed them to conquer their fears even to their death. Martin Luther at the Diet of Worms was anxious as he stood and said, Here I stand. I can do no other. God help me. Fear comes to us in many different forms. It's not always in some sort of dramatic fashion. It can come when you get that call from the doctor that says you need additional tests. And suddenly fear comes into your life. It can come when you lose a loved one in your life or a spouse. And suddenly fear comes in and begins to conquer you. It can come when things in your life spin all out of control. And you feel like you don't have control of what's going on in your life. And suddenly fear can come in. But faith conquers fear. It overcomes them. Well, how do we have this? How... Do we have a faith that can overcome our fears? Well, faith overcomes by focusing on the invisible God. Faith overcomes by focusing on the invisible God. The reason Moses did not fear was because he endured as seeing him who is invisible. The irony of the verse is intentional. 1 John chapter 4 makes it clear that no one has seen God at any time. 
We know that Moses had seen a manifestation of God in the burning bush. We know that he spoke with God face to face. And we know that Moses would ask to see God and God would allow him to see his back. We also know that Jesus said, he who has seen me, seen me has seen the Father. So it stands to reason that if faith overcomes by focusing on the invisible God and Jesus says, he who has seen me has seen the Father, then we are to focus on the Lord Jesus Christ when we are fearful. Remember from verse 1 that faith is the conviction or the proof of things not seen. Faith takes the thing that is way out in the distance that we can't see and it brings it into focus. And so we have fear that is larger than our faith. When that happens, then we need to draw near to God in his word and in prayer so that by focusing on the invisible God, our faith causes our fear to fade in the background. When your fear is larger than life, that's the time that you draw even closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the time you dive deeper into your prayer life. That's it's a time you go deeper into your scripture time because that fear is bigger than life. But you dive into who Jesus Christ is and who, you, who your faith is placed in. And suddenly the fear fades away. This is why Paul tells us in Philippians. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And what? The peace of God which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So we're told to be anxious, not to be anxious about anything, but in prayer and supplication, which, by the way, is urgent requests. So an urgent with prayer and urgent requests with thanksgiving, which is the act of expressing gratitude, let your request be made known to God. Now, just so we understand, we are to express gratitude during the praying. That's interesting. Why would we express thankfulness, gratitude, while we're praying? Because we have faith. And then the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard our hearts. We express our faith through our thanksgiving to God in our prayers. And that faith overcomes the obstacle by seeing the invisible God. It says, God, I don't really know what your will is, but I know you have the power to take care of this situation. I have the faith that if you choose to do so, you will take care of this. Thank you in advance for what you're going to do. That's faith to overcome that power. Faith overcomes by focusing on the invisible God. Secondly, faith recognizes dependence on God for salvation. Faith recognizes dependence on God for salvation. In verse 27, Moses faces the wrath of a king. In verse 28, he's saved from the wrath of God. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. In Exodus chapter 12, God gives Moses instruction for how Israel is to observe the Passover. In the Passover celebration, an unblemished male lamb was taken and his blood was smeared on the doorpost and the lintel of each house. God warned that he would go through the land and that night kill every firstborn male in the homes that did not have the blood on the doorpost. 
At midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of the livestock. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all the servants and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt for there was not a house where someone was not dead. Exodus 12, 29 and 30. Now fast forward to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, where the Apostle Paul writes this, Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you really are un unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Moses recognized dependence on God for salvation. Evidence in the Passover. We recognize our dependence on God for salvation. Evidence in the lamb of God, Jesus Christ, who is the Passover lamb. I want to give three applications from verse 28. First application, God will judge. God will judge. Listen, both the Egyptians and the Jews faced God's judgment of the death of the firstborn if they did not apply the blood of the lamb to the doorpost. If a Jew lacked faith and said, I'm not going to do that, then they would have lost their firstborn. They could have said, well, I was born a Jew or I grew up a Jew or whatever they wanted to say. It would not have mattered if the blood was not applied. In the same way, going to church or being a nice person or having morals does not avoid God's judgment in someone's life. The faith of Moses did not cover all of the Jews. They had to have faith themselves. Each home had to apply the blood or they would suffer the consequences. Scripture is clear. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 3 verse 23. Every person is born alienated from God by their very nature. They are children of wrath. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 3. Whether we recognize it or not, each and every person is born hostile towards God. Romans chapter 8 verses 7 and 8. Now let me be as clear as I possibly can. If we die in that condition, alienated from God, we will incur his eternal judgment. Some of us and some of us we know are a heartbeat away from eternal judgment of God. There are some who profess to be Christians who do not like the truth that God's wrath will be poured out on sinners in the day of judgment. They struggle with that. They say, well, they struggle that a, that a God of love would ever judge people who have never heard the gospel. In fact, we make up Weird theologies to say, well, that person over in some foreign land that has never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, I believe that they will actually go to heaven. Some people say that. Though the Bible says otherwise. Some even Southern Baptist famous pastors have said that. They've said, well, if, if, a, if, a, if a Muslim were to just say, okay, I believe in God, then they get to go to heaven. Let me be clear. God warned Israel through Moses about the death of their firstborn so they could in faith apply the blood to their doorpost. However, the Egyptians never received such a warning. They didn't get the warning. Some say that God was right and judging Pharaoh because he hardened his heart. But it was not fair to 
Strike down all the firstborn sons of the Egyptians. However, God did this to show the distinction between Egypt and Israel. Any accusation that God is not fair in any circumstance, any accusation that says, well, God's not fair to strike down those the firstborn. Or God's not fair that that person that's never heard the name of Jesus goes to hell. Or God's not fair if we don't just say, oh God, I believe in you and He doesn't let us in that. That's not fair. I've got any accusation that says God is not fair places God subject to human standards of fairness. Do we really think that God is subject to to our standard of fairness? Do we think that? It minimizes the holiness of God and it minimizes the fact that every person is sinful. What is fair, just so we understand, would be that every person would go straight to hell. That's what is fair. What is surprising is that anyone ever gets to go to heaven because no one deserves salvation. There's not one person on the face of this earth that deserves to be saved. That is why it's called grace. God owes no one salvation, but by God's sovereign election, He saves some. God does not keep anyone out of heaven that wants to go there. Because if God left all people to themselves, then no one would ever seek after Him. If you were left to your own accord, you would never seek after God. Don't believe me? Read Romans 3, 10-12. It makes it abundantly clear. If God had not chosen us, we would continue to live in our own wicked rebellion against God until the day that you die. Election results in millions going to heaven who otherwise would have never gone to heaven, who would have died and went straight to hell. And don't try to hold God hostage by our standard of fairness because it will never work because God is not subject to man's standard of what is fair and what is not fair. God is the almighty, holy God of the universe that has created everything and everything Everyone that you see, and there's not one little molecule on the face of this earth that is not ruled by his sovereign control. He's not subject to our standard. He's God. If he's subject to our standard, then we rule God. May that never be the case. Because trust me, you wouldn't want to see a world ruled by Josh Monda. Because I would wipe everybody out. I'm just saying, I'm sinful. I, I've, oh, I've had enough of you. You're gone. Make no mistake about it, church. God will judge. But God has given a way to escape his judgment through a blood substitute. The instruction of carrying out the Passover were detailed instructions. They were intricate. It may have seemed to some like a hassle. It was expensive. Every family had to sacrifice a lamb 
or if the family was too small, they were allowed to join another family. The blood of the lamb had to be applied to the doorpost and the lintel. God told them that, that when he saw the blood, he would pass over them and no plague would fall on them and destroy them. Now the blood of the Passover lamb was a type of the blood of Jesus. When Jesus died on the cross, he died as a substitute for sinners. Just like the lamb was the blood substitute, so Jesus is now the blood substitute. John writes in 1 John 2, 2, he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours, but the sins of the whole world. Meaning that the offer is extended to every single sinner, whether Jew or Gentile. Now the verse obviously does not mean that Christ actually paid for all of the sins of all of the world, for all people, because otherwise all people would be saved, which scripture clearly does not support. What it does mean is that the sacrifice of Jesus Christ extends to all people who by faith embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ. God has given a way to escape his judgment. And that is through a blood substitute. It was through a blood substitute then. It's through a blood substitute now. Which must be embraced by faith. Which leads to our last application of this verse. To escape God's judgment, the blood substitute must be applied by faith. Now this is a real kicker. If we want to escape God's judgment. In fact, if anyone wants to escape God's judgment. It has to be done God's way. Plain and simple. You want to escape God's judgment? You do it God's way. For Moses and the Israelites, what did that mean? Well, it meant they had to trust in God's word and do exactly what he told them to do with the Passover blood. If anyone decided to dispute it, if anyone decided, well, you know what? I don't want to apply the blood on my lintel. I want to apply it somewhere else. Then their firstborn son would have died. If they mentally said, I believe in all of this, but I'm not going to apply the blood, but I believe in it, but I'm not going to apply it, their firstborn son would have died. To be saved from the destroyer, they had to believe God's warning by applying the blood as instructed by God. The same holds true for the blood of Jesus Christ. It must be applied God's way. By faith. You can argue all you want that God is a God of love and God is not a God of judgment. You can say that you don't need the blood of Jesus to be saved, but it will not change the truth. You will one day learn that he is indeed God who judges sinners. You can say you were baptized and you can say you grew up in a Christian home. You can say you have a general belief in God, but none of that will matter if you have not personally fled to the cross of Jesus Christ and placed your faith in Jesus. You can claim you had a vision about Jesus. You can claim whatever you want to claim. It will not matter unless you have personally placed your faith in Jesus Christ. James says the demons believe and they are not saved. You can say my father believes, my mother believes, but you must personally place your faith in Jesus Christ. For anyone 
to be saved. They must acknowledge that they are a sinner and they deserve God's judgment. They must abandon all trust in self and good works as a means of salvation. And they must trust in Christ's blood alone as God's payment for their sin. Every sinner must apply the blood of Jesus Christ to their heart by faith in order to be saved because that is what God requires. There is no escape of his judgment. That is what he says. And you can argue with God all you want that that's not fair. But that's what he says. He says, you want to be saved, you come my way. And I know sometimes that hurts our feelings. And sometimes we think, well, what about my relative? Or what about this person? Or what about that person? And we sometimes try to give hope. Well, well, maybe they got in. You get in God's way or you don't get in at all. That's the way it works. And if we start preaching something else, then we're preaching another gospel. And the Apostle Paul says, let that person be damned for preaching such a thing. That's powerful words, folks. We preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's God's way or no way. Third point. Faith trusts God to overcome difficulties. Faith trusts God to overcome difficulties. As we look at verse 29, we see a shift from Moses' faith to the faith of Israel. It speaks of the Israelites crossing the Red Sea on dry ground while the Egyptians drowned. Now that verse does present some difficulties, mainly because as we've already read throughout much of Hebrews, that generation that came out of Egypt was evil and unbelieving. So how do they pass through the Red Sea by faith? I think the best explanation is that the faith of those that believed is generalized here to cover the entire nation. In other words, unbelievers are frequently made partakers of temporary blessing as a result of their association with the people of God. That's the case with Israel. They all benefited from the believer's faith. We also see this in the New Testament. Remember Paul? He's on a ship. Ship gets shipwrecked. Everybody's saved because of whose faith? Not because of all their faith, but because of Paul's faith. They benefited from Paul's faith, even though they didn't believe in God. These are cases of temporary blessing for unbelievers because of their close association with believers. With that said, I believe this verse shows to us a genuine faith Trust God to overcome difficulties. Let's quickly notice two things. Faith does not keep us from problems. Faith does not keep us from problems. We'd be sadly mistaken if we thought that faith kept us from problems. Listen to what the Israelites said to Moses. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us? And bringing us out of Egypt. Well, that's nice. Wouldn't you like to be Moses at this time? Oh, Moses, was there not enough graves in Egypt? You brought us out here in the desert to kill us all? Here's the problem with what the people are saying. Right? Here's the problem. They're grumbling to Moses. They're mad at Moses. For leading them out into the desert. But Moses wasn't the one leading them. God was. God led them into the desert. 
Not only that, but then God hardens the heart of Pharaoh, so Pharaoh chases after him. And just so we understand, God's direct action led this ragtag bunch of defenseless slaves to the point of the Red Sea. The Red Sea is in front of them. Pharaoh's army is behind them. That's where God led them. And unless God intervenes, they're all going to die. But that's God's plan all along. Now, why would God lead these Israelites into such a desperate situation? Why would God lead them into such a difficult problem? Well, to reveal that salvation comes entirely from Him. There's no no place in salvation for human works or schemes. God led them into this desperate situation to teach them that God is the only option. Likewise, God is our only option. This is how God grows our faith. We know in our head that we're to trust in God, and we can repeat that all we want. We can say we understand it, and we can say I comprehend it, and I trust in God, I trust in God, I trust in God. And that could be like your your mantra, and you could say that. But we really struggle to believe it until we have to practice it, until we're put into a situation where we must totally trust in Him, where there is no way out. Unless God saves us. And then we believe in Him. Faith does not keep us from problems. It doesn't keep you from problems. In fact, here's the thing. Sometimes faith leads us into problems. That's the fact of the matter. Sometimes faith will lead you into a difficult situation. A difficult problem. Why? So that you understand that salvation comes from God alone. So that when you get out of that problem, you go, that wasn't me. That was God. You think the Israelites go, oh yeah, you should have saw us part that Red Sea. Boy, we dammed up that Red Sea real quick and... They couldn't say anything. It was all God. Second application. God can turn our problems into a display of his power. God can turn our problems into a display of his power. Certainly as the Egyptians pursued the Israelites. No doubt the Egyptians thought they had victory in hand. They thought, man, we are going to, we got this. They don't know how to fight. And even as they saw them cross the Red Sea, they had to feel that they could quickly gain the victory. I always try to envision that. Two million people going through this sea and a whole army kind of, I don't know how it happened. It's just interesting. Here's the problem. The Egyptians left God out of the equation. As they saw the water building up as a wall on both sides, which is what we read about in Exodus. And as they watched Israel go through on dry land, they thought, well, we can do the same thing. 
they go through, we can go through. And as all the Israelites passed through, the Egyptians blindly pursued them. They should have seen it was a trap. But they didn't, and they were drowned. John Owen said this, There is no such blinding, hardening lust in the minds of hearts of men as hatred of the people of God and a desire for their ruin. You see, the Egyptians charged after the Israelites headlong into destruction. They had abandoned all reason and all common sense. And so a helpless, defenseless, ragtag bunch of slaves were delivered from a powerful army that was well equipped. There is nothing. There is nothing. There is nothing that is too difficult for our God. Nothing. There is nothing on the face of this earth that is too difficult for our God. God can take any problem that you're faced with, any sorrow, any situation, any difficult. God can take your problem and turn that into a display of His power. But He will not be coerced to do so if he so chooses to do that then he will do it and he will do it for our ultimate good and for his glory alone but he can do that you will never face a problem on this earth that is too big for God to overcome faith says this problem is not bigger than my God. That's what faith says. Faith says, I don't care what I face. My God is bigger. Because God can turn our problems into a display of His power. So, faith comes by seeing the invisible God. Faith is dependent on God for salvation. Faith trusts God to overcome our Difficulties. Now we could say, well, what about those that trust in God, but they still die? What about those that trust in God, but they're still faced with great difficulties? What about Peter Scott and all of those missionaries that died? What did their faith get them? They went to Africa and they died. They were taking the gospel. They were doing the Lord's work. And they died. It cost them their life. Well, let me answer that with another missionary. John G. Patton left Scotland to take the gospel to the cannibals of the New Hebrides Islands. He had a friend that would always try to stop him from going. He would cry to him, The cannibals, you will be eaten by cannibals. Patton finally replied to his friend. He said, Mr. Dixon, you are advanced in years now, and your prospect is to be soon laid in the grace. There to be, or soon laid in the grave, there to be eaten by worms. 
I confess to you that I can but live and die serving and honoring the Lord Jesus. It will make no difference to me whether I'm eaten by cannibals or worms. And I, in the great day, my resurrection body will arise as fair as yours in the likeness of our risen Redeemer. He had faith. He didn't care. I'm going to be eaten one way or another. Worms or cannibals. Doesn't matter how I go. What matters is honoring the Lord Jesus Christ. What mattered is I die serving. What did their faith get them? They died serving. What did their faith get them? The African Inland Church. They died serving. Serving their Lord Jesus Christ. Here's my question to you, church. Do you have a faith that overcomes? Do you focus on the invisible God or do you focus on the problems of your life? Oh, that we'd be like Moses and have an overcoming faith. Are you trusting in God? So faith overcomes by seeing the invisible God. Faith is dependent on God for salvation. Faith trusts God to overcome our difficulties. Now, we could say, well, what about those that trust in God? Faith overcomes. Does your faith overcome? Do you have an overcoming faith? Are you trusting completely in God this morning? I don't know. I can't answer that question for you. Only you can. Maybe this morning you'd say, Pastor, that's not my faith. Do you lose it every time some little problem comes up? Are you just, I don't know what I'm going to do. What are you going to do when a big problem comes? Can you imagine if we're like, well, the computer's not working. No sermon today. We're done, folks. Now, that might make some of you happy. Like, yes. No music, no nothing. We don't have a computer. So what? How's your faith? Do you practice overcoming faith? Do you really have a faith in God that says, that problem, it's nothing. In fact, my faith led me into that problem. Are you facing difficulties because of your faith? If not, then maybe you should be questioning how strong your faith is. Here in just a moment, we're going to sing a song. We'll be standing down front. Maybe this morning you would say, Pastor, I've never placed my faith in Jesus Christ alone for my salvation. I'll be standing down there. I'd love to shake your hand and talk to you about that. Or maybe you'd say, Pastor, I've never, uh, I, my faith is not strong. I need, I need some prayer. I'd be glad to pray with you. Whatever it is, however you feel the Lord has spoken to you, however you feel you need to respond, I'll be standing down there ready.
waiting for you to come if that's what you choose to do. Let's close with prayer.